Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash spookshow. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Inside the junk hole. Oh my goodness. Well, sometimes that is better. It just tastes so damn good. Stargrove. Wolfman's got Nars. Killer mommy. <laughs> Here's Johnny. Thou art the one. Slap. Star Child. What the hell did we just watch? The All American Spook Show Podcast. Welcome once again to another edition of the All-American Spook Show podcast. As always, I'm Josh, and I'm joined here with my friend Will. Hey, And the Professor Smoke. Hello. And uh, Donnie's not able to be with us uh, today. He's on assignment this week. <laughs> Apparently, we're just going to be switching off every week. Uh, some, someone new is on assignment. And uh, <laughs> uh, he was a little under the weather, so he wasn't able to make the recording today. So we're just going to go ahead and uh, push, push onward and upward. And uh, we'll get his thoughts on the movie on the next episode. But leading into that is what we're going to be talking about today is we're going to continue our journey through the Conjuring universe. And we've landed on the last one that has come out to date. Annabelle Comes Home from 2019. This is a first time watch for me. Will, what about you? Is this the first time or, or what? Yep, first time I got to see it. What are your initial reactions? Uh, I mean, you, you know what you're getting at this point by the time you've watched all these Conjuring movies. So, you know, nothing nothing really surprised. They, they've got a, a pretty good uh, track record of making kind of just, I don't know, like creepy, like Home Alone type movies. <laughs> <laughs> Especially, especially this one in particular. That's a good way to describe it. It's creepy Home Alone. Yeah. Smoke, what about you? Is this the first time? Uh, the second time. I, mean, I saw it in the theater when it first came out. But this is the first time I've seen it since then. I liked it. Uh, I mean, I, I won't go into detail on it yet. I'll, I'll just, I, I was going to say, but I'll, I'll just say that I liked it. Probably my second favorite of the Annabelle movies, at least, anyway. It was an enjoyable ex- theater experience. And like Will was saying, it's, you know, you, you kind of, you got certain expectations now when you see a Conjuring movie. And this one met those, whereas some of the ones in the past, have not, you know, such as, such as some of the last one we just saw, discussed uh, a couple episodes back. Yeah. <laughs> and even the nun, you know, the nun. The nun, is, 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 as cool as the nun character is and is, is, is the setting that, I, that it took place in, atmosphere of it and everything, that for me is also another one that's on a lower on the totem pole of Connery movie stuff. You, you come to expect a certain amount of, you know, you're going to get jump scares, you're going to get, you hope you get a little bit of creepiness and genuine sort of fright and everything. And I think you get a little, this one does do that. It gives you a little bit of that, you know, more than just the jump scare. That's kind of like, that's kind of my gauge on it now. 
Are you going to just get some cheap jump scares through the whole thing? Or are you going to get some substance, a little bit of creepiness and genuine, you know, frights or whatever? This one does deliver on that a little bit more, I think. Certainly more than the Sayurona and the Nun. Yeah. You can go back just a couple episodes ago, episode 56, and hear our thoughts on the Curse of La Llorona, that one. That's a, that holds a special place <laughs> in spook show lore. I guess before... Yeah, as much as I shit on that movie, at least, it, at least it wasn't... It was mutual. You know, I was, I was afraid there for a second to be like, I don't know what the hell Smoke's talking about. This movie's pretty fucking decent, you know. Yeah. So at least I was vindicated there, you know. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'd say you were... You were definitely vindicated. I guess before we go into the background of this, and then uh, we got a, few, a couple other things to talk about before we get into the movie itself, I'll go ahead and throw out the information. Um, you can email us or contact us at allamericanspookshow at gmail.com. Uh, we're on Twitter, at AA Spook Show. You can find us there. We're on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. You should be able to find us pretty easily by searching for All American Spook Show. We have a T Public shop. You can go there and get like our logo merchandise. We've just put up a couple of new designs on there. So those are available, uh, you know, with the newer look logo and everything. I, I think I actually put up two, maybe three new shirts and designs on there uh, just recently. And, of course, we have a Patreon page, patreon.com slash Show, And uh, we're going to hopefully start getting that cranked up uh, pretty soon. I know we keep talking about it, but we haven't really got on it yet as far as putting out some new stuff there. But we're going to get on it pretty soon. And Donnie's not here to talk about it, but recently uh, Donnie and I uh, both – did a live stream on our YouTube channel during the Fangoria Chainsaw Awards, um, you know, where we were just kind of reacting uh, to the award winners and talking about the, uh, Donnie had his list of connections to like, uh, all right, you know, this movie won this. Here's the connections to the spook show and everything. So if you want to listen to all that, I'm pretty sure it's still up on our YouTube page. If you want to go back and check that out, uh, that was that was a fun little 30, 40 minute little deal. You know, just trying out some new stuff and uh, hopefully... Hopefully we'll be able to do something like that real soon with all four of us at the same time. Um, it's just that at that point, you guys weren't available to do it. So me and Donnie just decided to go ahead and throw down and try it out. Yeah, if you want to go check that out, that's on our YouTube page. So uh, I guess without any uh, further buildup, we'll go ahead and toss to the trailer for Annabelle Comes Home from 2019. What's You folks need to turn around. Pretty bad accident up ahead. Anything we can do? You're a doctor or something? Or something. Nice doll. That's what you think. Did it work? The evil is contained. How could you not tell me you're babysitting for the Warrens tonight? Ah, we'll be back early tomorrow morning. Have fun. Don't your parents keep any creepy stuff around? We keep it all locked away in a room. It's not good for anyone to go in there. My dad says that everything in there is either haunted, cursed, or used in some ritualistic practice. What's that? The fairy man. They put coins all over the eyes of the dead so you could take their souls. What about the doll that's in there? Annabelle, she's in a case for a reason.
It's a beacon for other spirits. Something is happening inside your house, and we're not really sure what to do. Can I speak to Annabelle? I'm sorry? You need to give her a soul, dear. She wants a soul. <laughs> All right, and there's the trailer for that. So uh, I guess before we get into the background of this and start talking about Annabelle Comes Home, let's rewind a little bit and go back to our last episode, which we uh, you know, just did two weeks ago, Chopping Mall. Now, Professor, you weren't able to be there because you were on your uh, you were taking a vacation at the time and uh, dealing with other things. So <laughs> you were knee deep and weren't able to be there. So so I guess we'll we'll go ahead and go into that. What I know you've seen Chopping Mall probably a thousand times. So what was your star rating? What are your thoughts on Chopping Mall? Yeah, it, even though I have seen it quite a few times, I do I do really enjoy this film, and I, I hate that I had to miss out on that episode. I'll go well. I'll go right. I'll just get cut right to the chase as far as the star rating. It's uh. It's, I give it a solid three and a half, and uh, <laughs> some people, I don't, and I, I haven't had a chance to listen to the show, so I'm not sure what the ratings were yet. Uh, well, I'll, so not, before, yeah, before you continue, I'll go ahead and say, Donnie gave it three stars, Will gave it two and a half stars, and I gave it three and a half stars, so you and I are on the same wavelength with that one. <laughs> yeah, it's, a, it's, it's just one of those movies going back to the 80s, to the time pretty much when it came out on video for me when i saw it first i enjoyed the hell out of it i mean it's just an entertaining i mean who doesn't like the kill bot yeah <laughs> all security robots going around shooting people with lasers and blowing heads up and that also i talked about that was one of the best head explosions i think uh if i had to name I'll, we'll get to these other ones we haven't done any of these yet on the podcast but i could actually probably name my, my four favorite head explosion movies or at least uh, head explosions yeah movies. that that's got to be one of the best not only one of the best ones in horror movies uh especially for like practical effects and whatnot right but just the 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 best one that just comes out of nowhere, like <laughs> nothing like that before it, nothing like that, and it's just like bam, holy shit, you know. <laughs> it definitely holds the only. I mean, well, I'm, that I've seen the only laser head explosion. I think. I, can, <laughs> I mean, you know, there's plenty of like shotgun head explosions and telekinetic head explosions and things of that nature, but I don't know that there's too many laser head explosions. Yeah, there there might be some uh, PG-13 or rated R sci-fi flick that we haven't seen that might have it, but yeah, <laughs> you're probably right. Yeah, we might again. <laughs> but yeah, that's uh, it definitely ranks up there along with uh, like a Scanners, Maniac, and Dawn of the Dead. Uh, and, the, and the movie called The Fury, I don't know if you've seen The Fury. No. It also has one hell of a good head explosion in it, but so that's five. I said four, but that's five. Five uh, badass head explosion movies. <laughs> well, that that right there, honestly, the the longer we go, we uh, you know keep doing this, we could probably come up with our own like top five list eventually and do a whole show about that. You know, just yeah. <laughs> random head <laughs> explosions and just uh, maybe a whole episode about like violent deaths in movies or whatever. Rank them, you know, that kind of thing. But so like we came up with since you weren't there, we came up with a gore score of five. But, you know, we also, like, on that episode, deferred to you as, you know, the master of the gore score, so to speak, here on the show. So we'll toss to you. What, what, do, you, what do you think? Well, uh, speaking of deferring, I'm going to – and we talked about this on the first episode. We started doing the gore score and probably mentioned it in a couple of the other episodes. We don't necessarily bring it up every episode, but the gore score in name and in theory is uh, based on the late, great Chaz Balin, a horror journalist, for those who don't know. And for, for me, personally, one of the – probably one of my biggest influences as far as 
me delving into further and deeper into horror in the 80s, whenever I'd always loved horror, but in the 80s, you know, Fangoria magazine and then Gore's Own magazine. And, and then, of course, I discovered Deep Red magazine, which uh, was Chaz Balin's publication, which was more of a, of a sort of a, a fanzine on steroids, really. I mean, it was a real thick, I mean, you, you've read, pretty sure you've had some episodes, I mean, some uh, issues of Deep Red, I believe, right, Josh? Yeah, I've got a couple, and I, and I know I have the, actually the very first uh, issue. I almost said episode yeah. two. <laughs> I've got the first issue. So, yeah, you see, you see the layout. It's very much a fanzine, but it's very thick. A lot of information other writers, I mean, other journalists and everything contribute to. So it, there's no color pages. So, hence, I mean, it's kind of, it, it is basically a fanzine, but it's just more than your usual fanzine. Yeah, just better, uh, more well done. And he came up with a, at the back of that magazine, he'd always have ratings and reviews on movies. And he came up with the gore score. So he would give his, rating which was based on skulls like one to four skulls was based on how bad or good the movie was mm. and then a gore score of zero to ten so that's where this that's where our gore score comes from i kind of based it on that and now he did do a gore score for chopping mall back in in the in the publication the gore score which uh there's a little little digest size book book called the gore score which pretty much he just compiled all of those uh scores from the different magazines of deep red into one place so so i'll uh give you what his gore score was. And he's got a little, little uh, blurb on, on the movie itself as well. So, okay, chop him off. Chaz, I'll, I'll read his little blurb and then give you what he, his little gore score. It's not that long of a thing he said. But he, he always had a sort of humorous way of, of writing his reviews and, and his articles and everything, too. But uh, he said, High-tech security robots run amok in a multi-level shopping complex in this Julie Corman, wife of Roger, produced cheapy, featuring cameos from New World Pictures alumni Mary Warnock, Paul Bartell, and, of course... Our own beloved Dick Miller uh, includes one humdinger of an exploding head gag, too. Perhaps the finest one since the bespectacled balding bozo blew his brain pan out scanner. So that was that was his little blurb on it, and he gave it he gave it two skulls out of four, and his gore score was a six. So I'm going to defer to Chaz's six on this one. And y'all and y'all came close too with the five. Yeah, like uh, I think we kind of landed on a five, but like I actually kind of came in and said a six, and we just kind of whittled it down to a five, you know, but. Yeah, I, I yeah. think you're you're pretty much right there. Yeah. Also, another thing we can we, you know, we're we're basing it on what we know now. Which, since Chaz Balin was doing these gore score things back in the '80s, and he did it into the '90s a little bit too. Uh, he passed away in 2008, but uh, as far as him doing the reviews of the gore score and all that stuff, he did it well into at least well into the '90s. Since then, of course, there's been a lot of ultra extreme, you know, gore films and all this stuff like the. August Underground movies, and it, it just a, ton, a slew of movies that weren't out at the time he was doing this. So, kind of like you and Just for Inflation, you know, when you're talking about <laughs> uh, budgets and everything, you got to kind of adjust the gore score based on what's come since, too. Yeah, so. true. Yeah, you, yeah well, it's good with a five, too. So, I, I think it's always relative. You always have to think of those things that way, like you know, uh, not only how it rubs you now, but how it would have rubbed you in 1986. You know, so. Uh, I think you you do kind of have to take those things into account. Yeah, it's like watching an old silent movie. You know, some people some people can't watch any any movie past a certain date or whatever, whether yeah. it's because it's black and white or especially if it's silent, you know, or has subtitles or whatever. There's all kind of different variables there. So yeah, you take those. You got to take those things into account when you're watching it, or just the era something was filmed in. You know, it's totally different than than now. So. so there you go. I, I guess uh, we, we pretty much nailed the gore score, you know, as far as like, I, I think you agreed with what we had there. And uh, 
Okay. Um, I think we all agree that you should definitely, if you haven't seen, if you didn't listen to our last episode and for whatever reason you're listening to this and you haven't seen Shopping Mall, I think we can all agree that you should definitely go check that movie out. And uh, okay. there's various ways to watch it too. Like I think it was on Amazon Prime Video and a few other ways. So, uh, you know, uh, if you don't own a copy of it, uh, go check it out. Right, so anyways, back to what we're talking about today. We're going to be basically kind of wrapping up the conjuring universe at least to what has come out to date with uh annabelle comes home and the plan is for us to uh in, in a couple of episodes which you know if everything goes to plan that would be episode 60 of the spook show we're going to be watching and then like quickly turning around and giving our opinions on the conjuring three basically but they're not putting the number in there for whatever reason the conjuring the devil made me do it because i believe that comes out like june 4th i believe on uh in theaters and on hbo max hopefully we'll be able to uh quickly turn that around like you know watch it and then uh record an episode and get it out that monday the the 7th and that'll be episode 60 of the spook show if everything goes to plan i mean i i usually hate to kind of tease something too far out because god knows with us you know sometimes things aren't able to work the way we want them to work but that's the plan is uh, to watch that one to kind of bring it all to a head as far as our journey through the Conjuring universe. But up to this point, this is the last one that has come out so far. And this came out in uh, June. Wait a minute. I got to pull my notes up. I can't remember what the date was. I, I, it was June of 2019. Yeah, this was released June 26, 2019. And it was released by New Line Cinema, Atomic Monster Productions, and the Saffron Company. So it's basically the same group. Uh, that normally work on these Conjuring movies. And it was distributed, of course, like all the other Conjuring films by Warner Brothers Pictures. So this is their big, you know, kind of like basically, I guess you could argue it's kind of turned into Warner Brothers, you know, of the new modern era, kind of their version of the Universal Monsters, right? Like, <laughs> like this is their, uh, what, seven, this is, I think this is the seventh, yeah, this is the seventh Conjuring movie, and the eighth is about to come out. We're on the precipice of seeing that. So, yeah, like... You're getting up into that territory now where, like, they've they've kind of created their own universal monster universe kind of, right, you know? Yeah, um, where it's just uh, a crossover type stuff, like, <laughs> yeah. like Universal and the House of Frankenstein with all these other creatures coming to that. Now you got, like, La Llorona where the only character coming into it is Father uh, Perez. <laughs> and, and not to get too deep into the weeds of the movie itself, but here just for a second, because it just crossed my mind, this movie, to mm-hmm. me felt like more i mean i enjoyed it and you know we'll get into that shortly but like this movie in particular to me felt like it was almost like a backdoor pilot for other movies i mean did y'all get that sense like (laughs) it's it's almost like we're we're gonna we're gonna give you a bunch of shit to set up more movies later on kind of thing you know like they've introduced uh, what at least three or four movies that could spin out of this this just this movie alone and you knew it was going to come to this, like, as far as... I, I think we've talked about that before with these Conjuring movies, where we're like, well, you could basically just take one object in that damn artifact room and make oh, a yeah. movie. Like, all right, well, here's, an, here's a random object. Now here's a movie. Here's another object. Here's a movie. You know, like, you could do that. But, like, this is the first time where it really felt like that's what they were doing. Like, this room is full of crazy evil shit, and now we're going to show you a few of them and, and set up many movies for many years to come. You know, just in my opinion, that's kind of what it felt like. It was a backdoor pilot. You know, <laughs> that's what they basically they term like if you're watching MASH or some or Seinfeld, or, you know, some uh, show that's been on for years that has its fan base and everything. And then all of a sudden they introduce some new characters because next fall there's going to be a new spinoff show from this show. You know, that, that's what they call a backdoor pilot. So it, it almost kind of felt that way in a movie, you know? <laughs> well, well, I can't wait till they, if that's the case, I can't wait till they get to the, the story behind the samurai. You know? 
Is yeah. it going to be like just a samurai going around massacring people in the armor, kind of like a Ninja 3 domination, but with a samurai? Or... Yeah. <laughs> that was no. really the only one, too, that they kind of <laughs> set up, that, that they kind of set up that, like, you didn't really see much there. Like, you know, like, you saw it, right? You saw the suit, and then, like, yeah. there, there's that moment with uh, with the babysitter and the suit and everything. But, like, there's that that's about it, and there's really no explanation whatsoever what's going on with that. Yeah. You know? <laughs> you know that one's coming. Over. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Something was up with it. If it's in that artifact room, right? Yeah, obviously, yeah. And we'll get into that. Show. I just that just crossed my mind. I just wanted to point that out before we continue. Also, this movie in, in some other countries was just known as Annabelle Three. So <laughs> they they kind of confused the issue here in the in the U.S. by calling it Annabelle Comes Home, but in, in a lot of other countries it was just Annabelle Three. And like I mentioned, this was the seventh movie in the Conjuring universe, and the total runtime was one hour and forty six minutes. So this is actually a little shorter than. Uh, uh, a few of these movies. I think La Llorona was, let me see, that was one hour and 33 minutes. So that was shorter. But uh, I think a lot of the other movies have been 146 and up. You know, probably knocking on two hours for, uh, if not a little over for both of those, at least the first two Conjuring movies for sure. Felt like they were always a little longer, but this one's not too bad. I mean, hour 46, you know, it's a little longer than your average horror movie, but you know, it didn't. It didn't drag. I don't. I don't feel too much. It was rated R, of course, and on IMDb it's listed as a horror slash mystery slash thriller. So it, it nails all the, the key elements there. So the uh, critic ratings, IMDb gave it 5.9 out of 10 stars. So almost you know basically 60%. On Metacritic, which is you know f fairly similar uh, gauge, it gave 53 out of 100, on their score, the Metascore. On Rotten Tomatoes. The tomato meter gave it 65%, so that's the critics' score. And the audience score was actually 70%. So that's the usual, uh, you know, the audience thinks higher of it than the critics do. But it's still pretty close, 65 to 70%. So really, you know, like, I, I think overall you get fairly decent reviews here. You know, it's not probably as high a praise as those, you know, first couple of Conjuring movies. But it's not as bad as, say, the last couple that we've watched, you know, as far as critic scores and all that it was filmed in santa clarita california and los angeles california and in atlanta some some points in atlanta so i'm not sure exactly what was filmed where but uh basically in la area and in, in the atlanta area between mid-october and december of 2018 that's when they wrapped principal photography um so about a month and a half two months it took to film this for a budget of 30 million dollars now in the united states it's opening weekend it fell short of a lot of the uh, past Conjuring Universe movies. It opened up at $20.2 million here in the U.S., um, which, you know, isn't a huge disappointment, but it's, I'm pretty sure it was definitely way below their expectations for that time period. And, as usual, since this is a more modern movie, we have, the, uh, we have available the box office from that particular weekend. So I'll go, up, I'll go down the top ten. Number 10, that, so this was the weekend of June 28th through the 30th. So, like, I think it was like a a five-day total for that number that I just said, 20.2. But here, here's the rest of the top ten. Number ten, John Wick, Chapter 3, Parabellum. Number nine, Rocket Man. Number eight, Child's Play. Now, that's the uh, reboot or remake. How, I still haven't seen that yet. Would you consider that a reboot or a remake? I'll kind of go with the, well, I guess, well, I don't know, a reboot. Do they plan on making more? Because sometimes, in my mind, a reboot almost makes you think that they're going to restart a franchise with this one. But I don't know if they had plans on making more. It's definitely not a straightforward remake, though. See, I, I probably would call it a reboot or a reimagining. That's another one they'd like to throw out there. 
I, I like I said, I still haven't watched that yet, but I heard there was fairly general positive reviews on it. Like it was better than most people thought it would be, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Me and my wife both enjoyed. We saw it in the theater when it came out. We enjoyed it for. Uh, there were some things they changed about it, and I won't go into those yet since you had not seen it. Aspects that they changed that a lot that some people maybe didn't care so much for or whatever. But overall, the movie, I think, was, was pretty well done. It, it, it surprised me. I didn't really expect it to be worth the shit, really. <laughs> and I enjoyed it. It was a bit of a surprise for me. No surprise. We'll definitely have to get that one at some point. Oh, yeah, yeah, we will definitely. Pro- probably once we at least get to the original before we get to that. You know, that way we can... We can look down our nose do at, back, this, back, at this back, remake. Back, I think. Yeah, yeah, that that could be an interesting double feature for sure. So, of course, that that logically leads us to what was number seven that week. Literally one of the most, if not the most, depending on uh, what week it is, the most profitable box office movie of all time, Avengers Endgame, <laughs> was in its tenth week. Uh, it made just over six million that week here in the U.S., but at that point... After 10 weeks, it had $841.8 million in the U.S. box office. That's not even world. Now, uh, of course, we all know it went on to become the highest grossing movie, I think, in worldwide box office history over Avatar. But it seems like I just saw recently that like the, uh, another re-release of Avatar just pushed it back over Endgame. So that's why I say it depends on what week it is, you know, which one's being re-released and all that. Like, I have a feeling unless something else comes along eventually... And I'm sure it will eventually. Uh, it's going to be like a back and forth between Avatar and uh, Avengers Endgame for highest grossing movie because they'll just keep re-releasing yeah, it. You know, what I'm pulled for. They're like, oh yeah, well here we go. We got to re-release this. Yeah, boom. They they bring We're it back. One. They bring it back out in 3D, and now you just earned another like five, ten, fifteen million dollars, and uh, it pushes it back up. But yeah, it's they're bo- they're both well over what like two, three billion dollars. I don't have it in front of me, but there's some stupid number that was in its tenth week. That at number seven, number six. Men in Black International, which I think that's, is that the third or fourth Men in Black movie? I'm not, I don't think I ever saw yeah. that one, so I'm, I can't remember which one. Fourth, that. That, that sounds right. Yeah, I'm pretty it, sure. That sounds right. It doesn't have the number on it here, but I think I think you're right. I think it's the fourth. I never saw that one, but uh, I'm sure I'll get around to it eventually. Number five, so we've got the top five now. The Secret Life of Pets 2. Uh, it was raking up, of course, an uh, animated movie in the middle of the summer. Number four, Aladdin. That was the uh, live-action Disney remake of the you know animated movie from the '90s. Uh, once again, it was raking up. It was well over 300 million at that point in its sixth week. Uh, number three, and it was also a, a new release that week yesterday. That was the uh, I can't think of the guy's name that stars. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Basically, it's just like this dude gets knocked out or something, and then he wakes up in a world where he's the only one that remembers the Beatles. So then, so then he starts singing their songs and stuff, and becomes like a, a, you know, like the most popular musician ever, just singing Beatles songs. <laughs> um, it, it's a pretty funny movie. That was number three that week, and it made over seventeen million. Then, like I said, Annabelle Comes Home was number two at the box office that weekend with twenty point two million, and then number one that weekend in the second week, Toy Story four had made over fifty nine point seven million dollars. And in two weeks, it already made $238.6 million. So Disney threw its uh, one of its huge cash cows at this movie, you know, a week before. So uh, this had no chance, really, of being number one in the box office. Uh, I'd say even compared to, like, what other Conjuring movies had done, probably would not have beat Toy Story 4 on this particular weekend. So there's your, uh, your box office report for <laughs> the weekend of... June 26th. So you can see what it was up against. It was in the middle of the summer blockbuster season. And frankly, to date, 
that was the last big summer blockbuster season, right? Like, <laughs> because the 2020 box office, you know, that got wiped out. Yeah, and, we, and now it's, you make $20 million at the box office, that's a hit. Oh, yeah. At this point, you're like, holy shit, you know. Because I think, like, as we're recording this here in May of 2021, like, I think that there has been a few movies now, like Godzilla vs. Kong, and maybe a couple others that I'm blanking on right away, that have actually pulled in, like, some decent box, you know, uh, and that's the first time that there's been anything on that level since the pandemic began you know well over a year ago now as we're recording this so like yeah like you said like 20 million holy shit you know <laughs> meanwhile in 2019 <laughs> you're just like man this this was a disappointment you know <laughs> which points out it's always relative to what's going on and where you're at you know so yeah it uh ended up in the u.s grossing 74.1 million dollars internationally though it made 157.1 million dollars for a worldwide gross of $231.2 million. So clearly this one leaned heavily on its international gross, you know, to kind of bring it in over the, well over the $200 million mark. But still, success, uh, no matter how you gauge it. And I don't always see these numbers, but this time I did. Uh, they, uh, if you uh, look at uh, how much they made in the box and then you apply how much they spent on like PR and all that stuff, you know, the, the promoting the movie and all that. I think they said they ended up coming out like uh, around $70 million uh, in the black on this. So, you know, it, it did well enough, but I, I'm pretty sure it probably definitely disappointed them in those first couple of weeks for sure here in the U S I'm sure they, they anticipated it way, making way more money than that. Yeah, it's kind of hard to go up against some of those. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, like, like I said, you just read, or you just heard that top 10. That's, that's, that's some pretty tough, stiff competition. So this movie was directed by Gary Dauberman. Now his name sounds familiar. You know, if you've been listening to our, our journey through the conjuring universe here, because this dude's written or had a hand in writing pretty much every single conjuring universe movie. Uh, that has been released. This one, and of course, he wrote uh, both uh, it, Chapter One and Chapter Two. He wrote, he was a writer on that too. Um, the Nun, Annabelle Creation. But this is his first and only movie he has directed. Annabelle Comes Home. This is it. So, but I'm sure this won't be the last for him. I mean, like obviously, he's, he's a he's a good writer. He, he's already written a, a good handful of very successful horror movies. So I'm sure it's just a matter of time before he'll get his hands on some more properties you know, as far as being able to direct and all that. And, and I, I think directing wise, I think he did a pretty good job on this considering it's his first, his first go around. And of course this was uh, written by, it was a story by James Wan, but the screenplay is by Gary Dauberman himself. So he was a writer on this as well. And of course we've mentioned James Wan a hundred times when we do all these, he's like the producer extraordinaire of the whole Conjuring universe it's, you know, he, he directed the first couple of Conjuring movies. So these are his babies, along with Peter Safran. You know, he's another producer who's worked on all these things. So, obviously, you're keeping it in the family here when you hear these names of all the behind-the-scenes producers and directors and writers and all that. Um, and, of course, it's starring Vera Farmiga and Patrick Wilson as Lorraine and Ed Warren. Uh, they reprise the roles yet again, um, which I, they obviously are about to do yet again. And we'll talk about that in the next couple episodes with The Devil Made Me Do It. Because, uh, you know, that's more like uh, The Conjuring 3, basically. So, like, they're kind of the main focus of the movie. Although, you know, they, they're definitely in this, but they're not, they don't play a huge part of this movie because you only really see them at the beginning for, like, what, the first 10 or 15 minutes and then at the very end and that's it, you know. So, they had light work in this one, but, you know, they, they were still the big stars of the movie. Um, it stars McKenna Grace as Judy Warren. They play uh, Ed and Lorraine Warren's daughter, Judy. Let's see, you may know her from The Handmaid's Tale. That's that really popular Hulu series. 
Uh, she was in the movie uh, Gifted. She was in the movie I, Tonya, uh, or Tanya, I I'm sorry, I, Tanya. That was the uh, Tanya Harding, Harding movie that had Margot Robbie in it from uh, 2017, uh, which is actually a pretty funny movie if you go check that out. She's on the, the Amazon original Troop Zero. I mean, for someone as young as she is, she's only what, uh, she was born in 2006. <laughs> she's almost literally, almost as old as, she's only slightly older than the entire Conjuring, Conjuring universe, basically, right? <laughs> So what would that make her here in 2021? Quick math. How old is she? Uh, Will, you're the you're the math whiz. 2006. Well, I'm three years old. Three? What? Yeah. Wow. Well, she, she's really impressive for a three-year-old. But yeah, she's young. Uh, but considering my point is considering how fucking old or uh, you know how young she is, I should say, she has already has 58 acting credits on IMDb. So. She's been a busy little girl, for sure. Uh, <laughs> starting all the way back to, like, uh, she was in uh, a t uh, episode of a TV series called The Goodwin Games back in 2013. And pretty much right after that, like, you know, uh, movies and TV shows and voice acting. I mean, a little bit of everything, for real. She's already been in soap operas. You know, the usual uh, gag for when we're going through the cast of a horror movie is soap operas. She's already got that. <laughs> she was on The Young and the Restless. Was Car she on The Lost? No, no, she wasn't love boat. Yeah, no, no, she's a little too young for that. Unless there was like some, some weird reboot of the of the love boat, and she she just happened to be on it. But, um, so yeah, oh, Scooby Doo. <laughs> Say what? <laughs> <laughs> All right, so the babysitter Mary Ellen that was played by Madison Eisman. She would be known from uh, the Juma the recent Jumanji movies. You know, Jumanji: Welcome to the Jungle and Jumanji: The Next Level. Uh, from the last couple of years, and that last one came out the same year as this. She plays Bethany in those movies. So it's like it's not. It's that's the funny thing about those Jumanji movies. It's like it's a big role, but it's a small role because like you don't see her very much in that movie because you know like they get replaced by the bigger actors or whatever. But technically, you know, she's like one of the main stars of the movie. You just it's just someone else being her, you know. <laughs> so it's weird that way. But you know, if you've seen those Jumanji movies, you know what I'm talking about. And she was in a, another Disney movie called Clouds uh, this past year. Um, once again, another another young actress. I mean, she she was born in '97, so she's uh, obviously uh, about nine years older than uh, McKenna Grace. But uh, she's already got 43 acting credits on IMDb as well. So. She's she's been busy, and ironically, they started their careers about the same time as far as acting. Um, her first role was in Second Chances back in 2013, um, and, and tons tons of stuff. Looks like like Disney stuff, and you know, random TV uh, episodes of TV series like The Real O'Neills, Those Who Can't, Still the King, you know, stuff like that. Uh, but yeah, she's uh, another one that's on the rise for sure. I'm sure we'll hear more of her as uh, time goes on. And yet another young actress, Katie Seraph, who plays Daniela Rios. That that's the uh, uh, Mary Ellen's friend who comes into the house and uh, basically causes all this chaos in this movie. Um, <laughs> she uh, is especially stacked up to the last couple of actresses. She's a relative unknown. She's still pretty young. Well, I I'm assuming she's very young. It doesn't have her uh, birth date here, but she's only got 14 acting credits on IMDb that go back to a TV movie called Teen Spirit in 2011. So she had to have been fairly young there. And she's been on an episode of uh, Supernatural, you know, that, that show on uh, the CW that's been on for like 85 years. Uh, she was in an episode of that. That one right there, I have a feeling, will probably be one of those ones that come up, like when we're talking about more current cast, you know, like more current movies and we're going through the casts. 
Supernatural has got to be one of those that will become like the new Love Boat or something because that show was on for so damn long. Yeah. You know, that oh, yeah. just about everybody's <laughs> probably been in it. She was in a couple episodes of Girl Meets World, a TV movie called Twisted Sisters, uh, but nothing really as big as this. This is definitely like probably her... Her big, you know, her big, big opportunity for sure. And she uh, was in an episode of This Is Us, that NBC series that's, you know, extremely popular. So, you know, an- another one that's probably on the rise. And uh, let's see, we got Michael Cimino as Bob Palmieri. This is the the boy that lives across the street that has the hots for Mary Ellen. You know, he doesn't have a massive role, but he's in it enough to mention here. Let's see, he's another one that's pretty young. He was born in 99, so he's only in his tw- early 20s. But 99, I guess that'd make him old enough to drink now, right? <laughs> Which that's another crazy thing, right? You ever go to like somewhere and it'll say like before this date, you know, you can buy alcohol or whatever. <laughs> now, now that we're in the year 2021, that that year on there is 2000. I'm like, "Jesus Christ." Someone <laughs> uh, makes you feel old. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm sure some 2000 uh, the year 2000 was the future, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> now we're now <laughs> now that idea is old enough to drink. That's just that's just crazy <laughs> to me though. But um but anyways, uh he has 13 acting credits on IMDb that date back to 2015. He was in a short called Limit Limitless Potential, but uh right after that, the next year in 2016, he was in a TV movie called Hopefuls. It was a Nickelodeon sitcom pilot. And then after that, there was a movie called Shangri-La Suite. But once again, this w- this would be probably his first big breakout type of deal here for sure because he hadn't really done much other than random TV movies and shows. Then he does this, and then he's in a TV series called Love, Victor, which I don't know anything about, but that's a more current show that's apparently on right now. So, uh, I think it's about Victor. <laughs> I, maybe not. Who knows? Maybe that's the twist. I, that's probably about all worth mentioning you know, as far as the cast is concerned, that that's your major players. I guess that's really about all I had, guys. I mean, did you guys have anything else that you dug up that I didn't point out here about about old Annabelle comes home? The uh, the only thing I got is that uh, uh, Annabelle has actually popped up in the DC universe. Really? Uh, yeah. Twenty uh, eighteen's Aquaman. Uh, when Arthur and uh, Mara swim down to the ocean to find Mara's aquatic vehicle. In Atlantis, and there's a bunch of trash. Apparently, the Annabelle doll is there. And then in, Shaz- in Shazam, when uh, Billy Bashing goes into the pawn shop, uh, Annabelle is uh, uh, somewhere on the shelf. <laughs> now, I, I can't remember, you know, without looking it up about Shazam, Aquaman was directed by James Wan. So that's probably your natural connection there. And like I said, I'm not, I can't recall any, there, there, that leads me to believe there's probably some connection to Shazam. You know, to James Wan or something there, right? <laughs> yeah, well, I think it was more or less just a nod to him. Yeah, yeah, obviously, yeah. They just probably just do it in the background because it's funny, you know, and certain people are going to, you know, they always do the Easter egg bit. But, yeah, James Wan's actually directed Aquaman, though, so he's probably the one that kind of slid that into the background, right? <laughs> trying to pull one over on him. I wonder if James Wan will yeah. realize I put Annabelle. Well, I actually <laughs> noticed this. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, like, like looking at the pictures of these, like uh, the one in Shazam, it's just like blatant. It's, it's the Conjuring version of the Annabelle doll. The one in uh, uh, Aquaman is kind of hilarious. <laughs> if y'all get a chance to look that up. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe you uh, find a picture of that or a link to an article or something. Like uh, throw that up on the uh, on the socials. That way we uh, other people can check that out when they're when they're listening to this. Or send me the link and I'll put it down in the show notes. 
Yum, yum. It's time for a tasty and refreshing snack. We promise to satisfy your hunger, your thirst, your sweet tooth. So visit our refreshment center now. Let's go. For you, the listeners of the All-American Spook Show podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. Like we always talk about, this is your chance to, you know, you go and use that uh, audibletrial.com slash spookshow. They give you a credit when you sign up. You can take that credit and you can go get any audiobook you want from Audible. And if you decide, like, look, I really don't want to, you know, I can't afford this, you know, I'm not going to use it enough, whatever your reasons, you can cancel it and you get to keep that one book. So helps us out, gives you a free audiobook, win-win for everybody, right? So since we're obviously on the topic of Audible, I went on Audible and I searched for Ed and Lorraine Warren's books. And they have many books. Um, I've actually got a couple of these on Audible myself. Like, I, I think I've used credits in the past on these books and and they're really good if you just want to hear some of their case file uh stories uh, they've done a number of them i'll just read off a few here the demonologist the extraordinary career of ed and lorraine warren the true accounts of the paranormal investigators featured in the film the conjuring by gerald brittle that one is a little over 10 hours long uh let's see they these, these are the books that they actually did graveyard by ed and lorraine warren this is the uh, book one at least according to you know how audible uh, does these things. Uh, that one is narrated by Todd Habercorn, and it's just a little under five hours long. And uh, just without looking all the way down through here, they have the third book of uh, Ed and Lorraine Warren called The Haunted, One Family's Nightmare. And that one's uh, also narrated by Todd Habercorn, and that one's about six and a half hours long. I've listened to a couple of these myself, like I said, and uh, that guy, um, Todd Habercorn, does a pretty good job of you know narrating the books but like he does all the voices and stuff too so like they don't have like a cast of of hundreds you know doing these like it's just him like changing his voice between women and men and everything like that and i'm sure a lot of audiobooks do the same bit but yeah they're, they're pretty cool and you know it's it, they're short stories basically it's like they're reading the accounts from uh ed or lorraine warren you know how they what how you know when they were going through their little cases or whatever and how they experienced it and everything so you can see definitely where they get the the whole template for the Conjuring series of movies when you listen to these books. Um, so I would definitely recommend going and checking those out. So if any of that sounds like your cup of tea, and if you're listening to this, it probably is, let's face it, you can download your free audiobook today by going to audibletrial.com slash spookshow. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash spookshow for your free audiobook. All right, so uh, I guess without any further buildup, let's go ahead and get into the movie itself. Have you guys listened to either one of their, any or read any of their books? Uh, I haven't I haven't listened to any yet, but I... And I don't even remember which one I read, but I read one back in the 90s that had, it was a, I don't know if it was one of their books necessarily, if it was just a book of stories about some of their cases written by somebody else. Yeah. So I remember the Annabelle thing being in there, but I, it was, they were all very short. So I guess they were trying to get as much of their stuff into the book as possible. So there was like four or five pages just kind of giving the, I guess, hitting the head the main points of yeah so it's probably it's probably similar to what i've listened to those couple audio books yeah like it's basically just kind of like they don't go deep deep dive into the stories but they tell the story of what happened and you know what they went through during their experience or whatever and some of them are kind of lame you know but then then others are really good so you know you could like good enough to you could see where they make a movie out of it kind of good but yeah um, I would definitely recommend checking those out. I definitely remember about Annabelle, though, and I remember it being, uh, you know, because we've talked about it, and, and we didn't really mention it in this episode. At this point, we don't really have to, but, I mean, 
it was originally a Raggedy Ann doll. Yeah. And that part stuck with me even back then when I first read it. So besides the fact it would be in this creepy doll that would, you know, they'd put it here and then some, come in and it would it would be in a different point in the room. I mean, without seeing it move, it would be, you know, you know. The yeah, yeah, yeah. But, Just, uh, but, but then that stuck with me that it was a Raggedy Ann doll. So. Yeah. <laughs> Which that will come back up here shortly. We'll, we'll get to that here in a minute. All right. So, yeah, the, yeah. so the movie itself, uh, Annabelle Comes Home, it starts with the uh, Warrens going to get the doll, Annabelle. Now, I can't remember exactly where this falls. Like, wasn't that from the end of Annabelle, like the first Annabelle, or was that from the end of Annabelle creation? You know, where they kind of fast forward to where the doll ends up kind of thing. Like, here's where the doll, the whole doll thing starts in Annabelle creation. And then by the end of that movie, it connects to what happens in Annabelle. So if I'm not mistaken, I think this one kind of takes place somewhere in between timeline wise. Yeah. About, yeah, yeah. And I think the years, I don't even know, they don't mention year in here, do they? But I believe it was like 68 or 69. Uh, that sounds about know. right. I don't know. Yes, that sounds about right. Just, you know, without having it pulled up and uh, not remembering everything that and, we talked about on past episodes. But that sounds about right. I do remember the Warrens sitting there on the couch talking to those, like, you know, three younger, you know, the two, the two women and the guy on the couch where they get the doll and then take it. I remember seeing that before. I just don't remember whether it was an Annabelle or Annabelle creation, but it was in one of those movies. It was in the first Annabelle movie in 2014. Okay, so there you go. So, so it's obviously it's been a while since we talked about that movie, you know. So I don't remember all the ins and outs, but I do. They were familiar enough to where I knew that, like, all right, that was basically picking up from one of those movies, and here we go. Um, so that's what you see at the beginning of this movie. Annabelle comes home, um, and of course they're going down the road, and they they hit a detour because there's somebody it's like a girl or something standing out in the street and there's cops around and everything right but you don't see exactly what's going on there you just know something ain't good and the, the cop tells them to turn around and you know go like five miles down this way to go around it or whatever and uh so of course right in front of a cemetery <laughs> the car <laughs> the car breaks down <laughs> and and if i'm the warrens uh car breaks down in front of a cemetery you know something's up yeah, well, they should for sure. You know, <laughs> they shouldn't be suspicious or scared of everything or of anything at that point. Like you know, you would think they've seen it all, uh, so they'd be like, "Oh shit, here we go." You know, <laughs> but you know, they they play along, and uh, Ed gets out to check out the engine, and Lorraine's still sitting in the car with. And it's funny how they got Annabelle sitting in the back seat, like strapped up, or, or I, I'm assuming she's strapped up, but she's just sitting in the back seat, like in the middle, like you know. Like uh, your son or daughter would, right? Like they're sitting right behind them in the uh, in the car, and as she's sitting there, like she hears a, a girl's voice, or you see her in the back seat. I'll, she doesn't see her, but we do as the viewer. See, like there's a girl sitting in the back seat, and uh, she says something like "I love your doll" or something like that. And then you see some other spirits or whatever from the graveyard. They're kind of all surrounding the car and everything. And then one of them kind of like pushes Ed Ed Warren out into the road right as a truck comes along and he barely is able to get out of the way of the truck, you know, before he gets, uh, you know, steamrolled. And then the guy comes running out like, Oh my God, I, I don't know what happened. I, it's like, I couldn't control the truck. And then basically you're just like looking at Annabelle, like you little bitch, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know what was going on here. So then it cuts to them getting home with the doll. And, uh, I like this shot too, where like Judy sees them come home. She comes up to the top of the stairs. And then as Lorraine is carrying the doll, 
it looks like it straight up like turns and looks at her remote. Like it didn't necessarily turn, yeah. but it, it looks like it's looking exactly yeah. like like right at her. You know. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, it's not animated at all. But I mean, but yeah, I noticed that shot too. It was like it was like this, not to compare it to Chucky, but it's like the scenes when they, when she's carrying Chucky, but he's not moving. Yeah, but you know, he'll see. <laughs> but but you know, he's like staring a like, hole through you, kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but, but they, still doll mode, and he hasn't gone animated yet. Yes, like that. <laughs> so when they bring it home, they meet up. A, a priest meets them there, and his his name's Father Gordon. He comes in and like blesses, you know, blesses the doll and everything like that. And then they're like, "Yeah, this ain't enough protection." So they put her in this uh, glass case over in the corner that's made out of what they call it temple glass. Like I guess it's like glass from a church or something. I'm assuming it's like blessed glass or something, right? Is the is what that little cabinet is where they put her. So they put her in the rocking chair and then just lock it up, you know, and it's got the sign on it, like positively do not open this, you know, warning you know, <laughs> written on the side of it. So it's the picture that you've seen. And, and, and I think somewhere along the line, they showed not in this movie, but in previous movies, I believe they actually showed the real picture of the real doll. Right. And I think it's pretty much sitting in the exact same thing. Like, the little warning sign looks exactly the same and everything. And it's just sitting in this glass case. So they put her in the glass case and lock her up. And then you see on the screen, the Warren artifact room holds the world's largest private collection of haunted and cursed objects. Due to the extreme evil contained within, the Warrens have the room blessed weekly. While every object has its own unique and terrifying history, there's one artifact the Warrens deem more malevolent. Is that how you say it? Malevolent than any other. <laughs> And then you see the title of the movie, Annabelle Comes Home. Uh, on the bottom, you see one year later. So, you know, Annabelle's been living in the house for a year now. That's the other thing, too, before I continue. And I think I might have mentioned this before. Like, So, like, this movie was dedicated, and you see this at the very end of the movie, to Lorraine Warren, because she passed away, like, I think literally, like, right before this movie came out. It was, like, in April or May of 2019. She passed away. And she was old, too. Like, 1927 to 2019, like, man, she's knocking on 100. Like, you know, into her 90s for sure. So she lived a long life. But So what happened to this room and all the shit in the oh, rooms yeah. now that they're both dead? Yeah, like, <laughs> when that happened, oh, you know, when I was reading about her passing, I went like, yeah, where's, yeah who's caretaking for this stuff now? Yeah, because they point... their daughter? I guess. I mean, because they do point out, like I said, you know, in what I just read, that the Warrens uh, had this room blessed every week because, you know, of the, of the evil contents, right? So, like... <laughs> Did, did they die and this shit just went to the wind? Or is somebody watching over this stuff? Because, like I said before, I think it's, it's almost like the containment unit in Ghostbusters. You know, like, <laughs> somebody's going to let this thing loose and all hell's going to break loose, literally. So, like, if you're one that believes that in... Conjuring Universe movies that come out, we'll, we'll, it'll be remain to be seen what happens. Yeah. <laughs> but anyways, I, you know, that little digression. We're back into the movie. So one year later... Uh, you're introduced to the baby, her uh, Judy's babysitter, Mary Ellen. You see Judy at school, and then this is when you see that you you come to realize that Judy can see things like her mom. She keeps seeing like this dead priest walking around her school because she look, goes to, like a Catholic school or something like that. And there's a statue of this guy. It's like Father Blah Blah or whatever. I can't. I don't remember what his name was, but you see that this guy died some time ago. But she keeps seeing this dude in the school, so. Clearly, you see, she's like her mom. Like, she's got that clairvoyant gift. Then you're introduced to Daniela, who is Mary Ellen's friend. And, uh, basically, she's like, uh, 
this guy Bob, you know, who works at the uh, the local market and lives across the street from you, he's got the hots for you. <laughs> and then they call him his nickname is uh, Bob has balls or something like that. And this is a running joke throughout the movie is the the Bob Bob has balls joke. Basically, the setup here is that. Mary Ellen is going to be babysitting Judy as the Warrens are out of town doing something, working on their working on a case, going on vacation. I don't know what it is they're doing, but they're not here. So uh, Mary Ellen's going to be watching uh, after Judy while she while they're gone. And uh, Daniela decides to come over while, after they leave. Mary Ellen's making a cake, and she brings in some skates like as a gift because it's also uh, it's Judy's birthday like on this day, right? Or maybe it's coming up, but like they they kind of celebrate her birthday, right? So Daniela comes and brings her a gift of roller skates. So Mary Ellen and Judy go out to go use the skates. Meanwhile, Daniela uses this uses this opportunity to snoop around the house to go find the evil room, and of course it plays <laughs> out <laughs> it plays out exactly like you would think it would. She goes, she finds you know she finds the key to the room, goes down there, you know, like fucking messes around with everything. Eventually makes her way over to the Annabelle doll, opens up the case, or like she's like. If there's any spirits in this room, please let yourself be known now. Of course, nothing happens. And then as she's about to walk out, thump, she turns around. The Annabelle doll is falling over in there. So she opens up the case and then, like, picks it up and fucks around with it. And then, like, then she hears them come back in the house. So she just sits it back in the case and doesn't lock it. And, of course, it, boom, it falls again and then falls out of the case. So now Annabelle is loose in the house. Which was a nice, practical, simple, uneasing effect. It, it, it was pretty good. Just setting up the fact that she just un, uh, unleashed hell without knowing yeah. it, you mean? Yeah. So then uh, uh, as they're in the house messing around, uh, so, someone knocks on the door, and she doesn't see anybody, but eventually she opens up the door, and it's a little girl. who Doesn't she ask for Annabelle to come out? Like, she's knocking on the door for Annabelle to come out and play? Something yeah. like that. She's like, I think you got the wrong house. She's like, no, she's right behind you. Turns around, nothing's there, and then she turns around, the girl's gone, right? <laughs> <laughs> so then... Judy, this was, I thought this was a pretty cool scene. Judy is, uh, like, somewhere in the house, and then uh, she sees Annabelle, and then I, maybe she was in a room or something. I can't remember exactly where she was, but she sees Annabelle briefly. Maybe it was just another room. Like, she, she opens up the door, and Annabelle's sitting in a chair, and then, like, she uh, opens up. The door kind of closes, and she opens it again, but Annabelle's not there. But then she sees something else out of the corner of her eye, and it's uh, there's a bridal dress inside... Or bridal gown inside the uh, the hell room, right in the artifact room, that you keep seeing in the corner, like on a mannequin. All of a sudden, the dress, you know, someone wearing the dress, I should say, is walking across, like outside the house, to, past the window, and then you don't see her. And then the next window, you don't see her. The next window, and then as it's doing this, it's like a 360 loop, you know, like you're seeing her like look around the room, and there's shit falling off the walls, like a cross comes, hangs upside down pictures and mirrors and shit are falling off the wall and then it comes full circle and the woman is standing in like in the next room across the hallway from her and she she pulls out a knife and comes charging at her i just thought it was a cool effect a cool scene when you see it like walking in a circle like that and all the shit falling and everything and she follows her all the way across and then it attacks her but i think basically it was kind of like at the end of it like she's just kind of like oh you know she throws up a cross just in time you know, right before this uh, this ghoul can get a hold of her, Mary Ellen eventually comes back in. It's like, what the, you know, what's wrong with you? I'm scared, you know, and like, but, but as they always do in these movies, don't explain why you're scared. Just like, well, what is it? Nothing, you know. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> meanwhile, I'm like, nah, man, I just saw a damn ghoul bride trying to, <laughs> with a butcher knife, trying to kill my ass. I'm gonna tell somebody, but no, no, here we go. Um, well, let's be honest, like, if you're if you're seeing spooky shit, 
and of all places, this house, get the fuck out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that that basically goes without saying. Like, <laughs> even if uh, Daniela doesn't really believe, or Mary Ellen doesn't believe, um, Judy knows, right? Like, there's there, <laughs> she should know by this point. Like, this is probably legit. I need to leave, but no, no, they just. No, fuck it. Let's go have a cake and play on roller skates. Yay. <laughs> so then they go to, like, uh, I guess, like, Ed Warren's office or something, and they start looking through the case files. And this is where you kind of see, like, the, you know, oh, here's the one about the uh, the Hellhound or something like that. And here's the case of uh, Black Shuck or something. Like, which I think that's one they don't really explain any either, right? Like, but it's like, once again, like I said earlier, it's like these Easter eggs for, like, huh? This could be a movie, huh? You, 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 does Black Shuck interest you? <laughs> no? Okay. Well, what about Hellhound? <laughs> You know, like this might interest. Here's some message board. This is a message message board fodder. Uh, if anything catches on, just let us know. Yeah, <laughs> and that game that they play later on, what's it called? A uh, feely mealy or something like that. There's another movie. Oh, yeah. You know, like it, this is like it's just movie after movie, right? With all these items. Not to dig too far, but didn't what happened with the Crooked Man? Because the Crooked Man, they were supposed to make a movie out of too, but that one, I don't know what happened. To I, the last <laughs> I heard is it still eventually might be a thing, but I guess they've cooled on that one for a while. I guess. My guess is something like the pandemic has probably given them excuse to kind of like pull back yeah. and and maybe do something else. I don't know, but yeah, that was uh, one of those things too, because that was from The Conjuring Two, I believe, right? Where the the crooked yeah, man, the shadow, yeah, thing. yeah, yeah, that lantern. And I do feel like a lot of this stuff, like if you don't capitalize on it quick after the movie comes out, it yeah. kind of loses the steam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And another, I don't know if this is the case, but I mean, remember the Slender Man, which was terrible. I don't know if they. And that was around the time they were talking about doing a Crooked Man. And I want to, you know, probably don't want people to to put that together, you know, Slender Man and Crooked Man, yeah. because of the, the Slender Man movie itself was kind of. I mean, the you know the the folklore is pretty cool, but the movie stuck. <laughs> and the title and the premise of it are similar enough to where like it might confuse the issue, and it may not, you know, oh, it's just yeah. like that. It's just like that one that just came out a couple of years ago, and you know, whatever the reasons. But yeah, I I got a feeling like you know. That could be one that gets shelved, you know. But we'll see. Who knows? With time, who knows? Because um, I haven't heard really what their future plans are past, you know, once we get to see The Devil Made Me Do It. Because that that movie that we're about to see here in June, that was supposed to come out last year. Like, last July or August or something like that. And it got put off because of the pandemic. So, God knows where they're going to go from here, you know, with uh, The Conjuring Universe. But we'll be there for it, for sure. Um okay. So Bob has balls stops by and the, <laughs> this is where like they have like the awkward scene with the pizza guy, you know, like walks up at the same time. <laughs> he just, Hey balls. And, uh, basically tells him that like, Hey, a, a chick like Mary Ellen, you got to woo her. So, you know, that's going to set up something as, that happens here in a little bit. You cut back into the house and Judy is sitting there watching. I think it's the dating game or something, right? Like she's watching on TV. If I'm not mistaken, what that show was, was it the dating game or something similar? It was, to the, it? It was the dating game. Dating game. Yeah. Now, this is where I was talking about with the Raggedy Ann. Did you notice that? Where the little girl... The little girl... Yeah, she gets the Raggedy Ann doll. I was like, oh, shit, there's the, the real Anna, uh, Annabelle, you know, <laughs> right there. It's like one of those overstuffed uh, Raggedy Ann dolls that you see, but it's a cool little uh, tip of the cap there for that. So then Bob shows back up at the house later on, and he's out in the yard playing guitar. You know, to try to like, you know, the old, uh, I'm going to play the guitar to woo the girl. She's upstairs looking down. So they leave the window and are about to come downstairs. All of a sudden, next to them, there's like this cloud of fog 
kind of just comes together and turns into like a damn werewolf, a hellhound. <laughs> and he's just like, ah! And then like hits it with a guitar or something like that, right? And it chases him off. So by the time they come back downstairs, he's gone. Like, where the fuck did he go? Which is one of the, the better natural reactions in a horror movie. Like, holy shit, there's a werewolf and then run away, you know? But <laughs> but the only problem is that he didn't keep running. <laughs> right after that, Daniela's like, all right, well, time for me to go home. So she leaves. And then reaches in her pockets and, like, she's still got the keys. So she goes back around to the back of the house, sneaks back into the house, goes down into the, of course, back into the artifact room. But this time, like, I think she goes back down there and, like, her back is turned to it. All of a sudden, like, all the locks unlock by themselves and the door opens. Instead of running for your life, she decides <laughs> to go on into the room. Well, that's and then, the whole reason she was there, so. Well, yeah, I guess. But So she goes into the room and then, like, in this room of evil, she decides, like, her, because there's, like, this whole sub-thread with her where, like, her dad died, and she, however he died, I, I don't even remember how they explained that he died, but he died, and she blames herself for it. So she's kind of yeah, struck. I believe it was a car wreck, and she was driving. Okay, maybe that's what it was, and I just didn't, I, I spaced out in that moment, but she blames herself for her dad's death, so, like, that's why she wants to keep going in this room. Like, well, maybe there's a chance she can you know, talk to her dad or see her dad again somehow, you know, with this, uh, with this voodoo mumbo jumbo, right? So she goes in there and she finds one of these random items in the room. It's a bracelet that has like a locket on it. And she opens it up, folds her dad's picture up and then puts it inside that locket and then wears it. Like, man, everything that's led up to this point, I ain't doing any of that. Like, I ain't grabbing nothing in this room. I ain't putting my dead parents picture in it <laughs> and then wearing it. I'm, I'm not doing any of this, but you know, I guess that's why I'm not in the uh, an Annabelle movie, right? So, of course, like, the door closes, and then, like, right over her shoulder, her dad appears, and she turns around, and he's like, it's your fault, you know? <laughs> it's like a demon, <laughs> like, bloody version of her dad. And, yeah. like I said, she's locked into the room, so, you know, just screaming bloody murder. So then you cut back to Bob. He he ran away, but he didn't run all the way away. He just ran into the damn chicken house behind the house. <laughs> so he's sitting in the in the chicken coop with the with the chickens. Then it cuts back to like uh, Judy. She's in bed now, and Mary Ellen walks in to check in on her, and Annabelle's in the fucking bed with her. But she she's just kind of like, huh? And then, oh well, and then just tucks her in and walks away. <laughs> but then again, like at this point, Mary Ellen doesn't know the evil that is laying in the bed with the child, right? So <laughs> to be fair on her part, um, that's another thing too. Like in this movie as a whole, like. It takes a long time to kind of get there where stuff is really happening, right? Like, I think you're well over like an hour into this movie before things really start happening. You know, like you see little things here and there like we've described, but like the shit doesn't really hit the fan until like the last like 20, 25 minutes of the movie. You know, like it really takes a while before they get there. Like, you know, hell has been unleashed, so to speak, inside this house. I, I think that fits along with uh, what's happened in the other movies, too, though. Like, usually it doesn't just happen where it's just like, go. Like, it's little thing, little thing builds up, builds up, and then yeah, here's and then, hell. Yeah, yeah, then all hell breaks loose. But, it, you know, I, I guess for me, it just, uh, it didn't feel like the movie drug or anything. But it just seemed to be a little bit more uh, obvious to me this time for some reason. I don't know why. It was just like, man, you know, like, I'm enjoying this, but, you know, like... Man, it's like I'm like an hour ten into the movie and nothing's really happened, you know. Like <laughs> they're still like, you know, Annabelle's just kind of creeping around in the shadows, kind of thing. You know, you haven't really seen anything truly crazy yet, uh, but you get there. So now Daniela, who's locked into the artifact room, she wakes. This is another one of those items in the room. There's like a an old school, like you know, 1950s uh, 
tube TV sitting there, like one of those really old ones, you know, um, that doesn't even have like a full back on it or anything is sitting there. And she's looking at her, like she's look, it turns on and she's looking at herself. But everything that happens, like happens before she does it. So like she's looking at herself, her head turns to the side. And then eventually like, you know, 30 seconds later, her head turns to the side. And she looks back at it again and something happens. Like baseballs, you know, they, they, they fast forward in the future, that scene in baseball. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're walking down. I, I didn't think we'd get a space ball reference tonight, but here we are. What about then? I'm sorry. Was it, then. This is head, now. <laughs> yeah, this is now. What you're seeing is happening now. Yeah. What you're seeing is 30 seconds in the future. <laughs> but you can you could definitely see this being a movie, right? Like <laughs> this little uh, future TV, whatever you want to call this. Like here's another movie yeah. right there. Yeah. Then Mary Ellen... Uh, who's, you know, like I said, Judy's asleep. Danielle's locked down in the room. Mary Ellen's by herself. There's this whole long, you know, like five-minute scene where, like, she's kind of, like, going through the house and she finds these coins laying everywhere. And then she's eventually attacked by the fairy man. Another movie. Like, (laughs) here we go, right? (laughs) You could definitely see this one coming, you know, like a mile away. This is a movie for sure. There's there's no way. (laughs) But but with this one and in the the scene, like, later with the fairy man, that that absolutely reminded me of uh, House of a Thousand Corpses. Yeah, you mean, like, like later on with the bodies stacked up and everything? Or uh, not stacked up, but kind of, like, through the hallways with the coffins and everything? Yeah. And we'll get to that here in a second, but that scene right there, man, those coins on the... uh, on the Mary Ellen eyes, am I the only ones that one that like looked at those and said that's fake as hell? Like they were bouncing around. Like, look, I watched this on Blu-ray. Maybe it was a little bit more obvious because it was Blu-ray or something. I don't know, but like, it was a bad CG CGI job on the <laughs> on the Mary Ellen coin eyes because that, it looked like the coins were moving when her body wasn't and stuff like that. It was just weird. Maybe it was just the way it was, like, they, they didn't put enough shading on it or something. Like, it just stood out. I don't know. It just, it looked bad. Anyways, so she's attacked by the fairy man, and basically, I guess the whole point of this is, is, like, he leaves coins everywhere or something, and if you give him the coins back, basically, uh, he'll take your soul or something, right? Like, he's, like, he, the fairy man, to, like, he's ferrying you to the other side kind of premise. And, uh, okay. and, uh, if you give him the, if you pay his toll, he'll, he'll, he'll take your soul or something like that. Char- Charon or Charon. Yeah. Ferryman in, uh, Dante's Inferno, River Sticks and all that. Yes. Yeah. So I guess that's kind of like what the whole premise of that is, but I can definitely see a whole Conjuring Universe movie on that one for sure. If, if none of the rest of these, that one for sure. Um, yeah. and the little bit you that's get. That's the one they kept pushing. Yeah. 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 And the little bit you got to see of them, it looked pretty cool. You know, like I could, I could, I'm down with it. You don't see them very much, but you know, the whole buildup is bigger than actually the payoff there. But I'm sure it'll look far different once they finally get around to making that one. Then Judy is attacked by the doll. Like Judy wakes up and Annabelle is there in the room. You know, like remember she was laying in the bed with her or whatever. And then like uh, she's sitting in the corner, like she knocks Annabelle out on the floor or something like that. And the lamp falls over or something like that. But that lamp that she's got that like, it has like this little rotating thing where it changes colors. You can see the shadow on the walls. Like, for the first color is like a little girl, and then the next one is like a, a bigger woman or something, right? Or a woman in a dress. And then, it, and then it eventually turns into like a damn full-on like the devil himself, like a demon with the the ram's horns and everything. You know, like it turns into Ernest Borgnine from The Devil's Reign. You know, by the end of the rotation, <laughs> and uh, she screams and runs out of the room. Of course. And Mary Ellen meets her and it's like, what the fuck, you know? And Well, she didn't say that, but you get what I'm saying. <laughs> what the fuck, Judy? Um, well, WTF. 
they well, I think I think uh just to, to kind of jump off for a second uh there is one fuck in this movie. <laughs> one fuck was given. One one fuck was given in this movie, and okay. it was uh when the girl like was going up the stairs and then got knocked back and like, landed on her back, and she said fuck, and, and apparently I think I think they cited that as like really the only reason this movie got an R. Yeah, you, know, you know I was gonna talk about this too at the end when we were doing our rating or the gore score and all that, <laughs> and I was, talking, I was I was mentioning too when I was, we were watching it. My wife, my wife and I was like, how why did this movie have an R rating? R rating? I didn't even really hear that part. The fuck I must have missed, missed that part because it certainly wasn't for violence and it wasn't. I know they talk about terror, but I mean you can. There's been a lot of terrifying, if you will, PG-13 movies. So yeah, like that's probably they they wanted the R rating because at the time, I mean yeah, I mean with a movie like this, you you want the R rating. You want that sometimes if you can get away with the PG-13 and still have the, what you want in there. But people want R-rated movies, even though that's limiting your your people to see it. You know, to be 18 and over or 17 yeah. and over with an adult or whatever. But it it, it helps. And I guess it helps them out. They wanted the R rating, so I guess that's I think, how they got it. I think in this universe that they have established here, you want an R rating. Like, I don't yeah. know if anyone at this point is, is asking for a PG. <laughs> that's like a cheap R rating. Yeah, but still, I mean, like, you know, you want that R yeah. because I don't think yeah. anyone's clamoring for a PG-13 Conjuring movie. You know, like, now you've already set a precedent. Yeah. Like, I think I've used this comparison before. Expendables 1 and 2 rated R and then 3 was PG-13 and it failed miserably and pretty much ended the franchise. Don't don't go away from what got you to the dance, you know? <laughs> go home with the one that yeah. brought you, so to speak. So, like, they, they, they screwed the pooch. I don't think you'd want to do that with these movies either. Even though these, I wouldn't necessarily say almost any of these are hard R movies, but they are R, you know, so... And some have had more levels of violence in it than others, you know? Yeah. Creation, for instance, or whatever. There's been some more. Even the first Annabelle had a little bit more. Certainly more than this one. Yeah. But anyway, so like, so Mary Ellen and Judy are running around freaking out now, and they try to get out of the house, and like the door slams shut, and all of a sudden you can hear somebody beating on the door. So then they're like, go out to the window, and then the window shuts. Then all of a sudden, like, uh, I, I guess she grabs the phone and calls Lorraine because the phone didn't ring, right? Which I thought that was kind of weird. Like it's almost like she picks up the phone and dials it, but uh, and Lorraine. Mm -hmm. Lorraine picks up, or what you think is Lorraine, but it's not Lorraine, right? It's just like, uh, oh, is Annabelle there? She wants your soul, you know? <laughs> ah, and then they, you know, <laughs> running around again. But I just thought it was weird. Like, it seems like she dialed the number, you know. I, I guess that's just the whole supernatural aspect of it, whatever, right? You know, overthinking it. And then the uh, the, the spirit bells. Like, her mom collects bells, right? Remember, that was a, that was a whole uh, thing that they mentioned earlier. Like, there's bells around the house. And, yeah, my mom collects bells. She called them, like, spirit bells or something like that. And all the bells around the house start ringing, but they're not moving. They're like, they're still sitting where they are, but they're ringing, right? So the the house is kind of going nutty now. So then, like, they go down, or no, Daniela is in the artifact room getting, you know, fucking terrorized in there, and then all of a sudden they run into the artifact room. So now Daniela's like, yeah, I'm sorry. Like, I, I, I fucking let Annabelle loose. Um, he's like, well, what did you touch? Everything. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was Wasn't a pretty that good like one. a teaser some at some point of the movie. It might have been in the trailer yeah. or something like yeah. that. Yeah, I'm sure. But yeah, pretty much at least you know she admitted it. Like she, you know, she's not trying to uh, be an ass about it. Like, yeah, I'm sorry, I did all this. Uh, well, well, all right. Well, maybe we can contain it. What'd you touch? Everything. <laughs> so then, of course, they go out of the room now, and then uh, the bride uh, attacks Daniela. And th there was a cool little you know uh, switcheroo scene, you know, swerve scene of like. The bride attacking her and like stabbing her in the gut, and then like she falls to the ground and then like looks down and like 
of course there's no knife there's no cut or anything and then she looks back up and the bride's right in her face and then like does the, does the old uh possession <laughs> puke in her mouth <laughs> that's become standard at this point so then mary ellen who they've set up earlier in the movie as well uh has asthma so she's having like an asthma attack so judy runs out to the car to get her inhaler and then this is when like the hellhound that starts this werewolf whatever you want to call it starts attacking the car and then bob like as she's running back to the house bob shows up just in time to like smack it upside the head with the guitar and that's enough to, you know, let Judy run back in the house to go in and give uh, Mary Ellen the inhaler. They go back inside, and then uh, Judy sees that priest ghost again, you know, Father whatever his name is from the school. And uh, she's like, yeah, remember, like, they were talking earlier in the movie about how, like, not, you know, you see ghosts, but not every ghost is bad, right? You know, just like people. So they follow the ghost. Now, you know, that, that, that whole premise is kind of shit all over, like, two minutes later, you know? <laughs> Because they, they never follow up anymore with the priest, right? Like, the priest leads her down into that room, but then you never see anything to do with him again, right? Yeah. He just led them down in this room yeah. for no particular reason, and they followed. And, but, like, on the way, there's that samurai armor. It was like a samurai suit, like, standing there in the middle of the hallway. And as they're walking past it, like, Mary Ellen kind of gets lost in its gaze of, like, looking, like, dead in its face. And you hear, like some kind of, like, uh, god-awful, like, samurai war or some shit, like, <laughs> going on in the background as she's, like, staring at it. And then Judy says something to her to kind of snap her back. And uh, then she keeps walking into the room, and she turns back around to look at the samurai suit, and it's like its head's turning, like, looking at her. Then they go into the room, and there's that game Feely Mealy is there, and they have to... It's basically, like, this blind game of, like... I guess the whole premise is you reach your hand up in the box to feel something, and then I guess you have to guess what the item is you're feeling or something. No, no, I, th I think when they played it earlier, uh, you pull a card and let's say that there's an apple. You're supposed to put your hand in there and find the apple or okay. something like that. Yeah, okay. And uh, or if there's, a, if like there's a drawing of a dead hand, you, you pull that out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but they are looking for a key. And then, like, because they go into this room and they see Annabelle in a closet and then the closet shuts. They're like, well, we can't open it. We need a key. So then, like, of course, the Feely Mealy game is there, and they have to uh, reach their hand up in there to get the key. But, but then, like, it, they're, like, building it up like this is going to be this whole big thing. And then, like, Judy just reaches in there, all right, got the key, you know. <laughs> yeah, see, like I was mentioning, I, I thought it was going to be like a Flash Gordon moment where they put their hand in there and, you know, there's, there's some kind of poisonous snake in it. Yeah. <laughs> I guess that's kind of what you're, 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 you believe is going to happen, but nothing really happens with this. Until a little that bit later. Like, Flash Gordon reference in there, like the face balls one. Yeah. <laughs> Until they come back into the room and you see the Philly Mealy game again, and like all of a sudden arms are reaching out of the damn game. So they get the key and they go into the closet, and Mary Ellen goes in to get the uh, to get the Annabelle doll, and then this is when you see another fairy man scene. Like she has to deal with the fairy man again, like where there's a bunch of bodies and coffins lined up the hallway, and they have the coins on their eyes, and then eventually she gets to the end of the hall, and it's a it's basically her. She's dead with the with the coins on her eyes, and that's the one where I said, like, the coins look fake as hell. And she's holding the Annabelle doll, so she kind of basically kind of has to fight her own image for the doll. Um, she basically manage, some, manages to get the doll, like, sling it out the door, and that's when, like, Judy goes to grab the the doll, and then Daniela comes running in. Now she's possessed by the, uh, the berserker uh, wedding dress, right? <laughs> now she's the bride, and she comes in and attacks Judy, and then, uh, or Mary Ellen, I think, she's wrestling around with her on the ground. And then Judy turns on that uh, projector in the room of her dad, like there's film of her dad, like performing an exorcism. 
and it basically kind of like performs an exorcism on the bride because they're playing it like right on her and <laughs> it's almost like all of a sudden there's an exorcism going on and that but i guess it's enough to knock the the demon or whatever the of the dress out of daniela and uh while this is going on they run with the doll and then a demon grabs a hold of judy like the, the full-on like ram's horn demon have, has a hold of judy and it's like it's almost like sucking her soul out or something whatever the hell so i'm guessing this is like supposed to be whatever the hell annabelle is like this, yeah, i think so yeah this demon that you see it's like the real version of whatever the hell annabelle is it grabs a hold of judy and is like sucking her soul out and then mary ellen jumps in and, and helps fight the demon off they manage to grab a hold of the doll and run back into the artifact room put it back in the case like all the all the things of the room are kind of like surrounding them like you know coming for them and then daniella runs in and manages to help them close the case and lock it so that ends that that contained you know annabelle is contained again and everything goes back to normal then of course bob runs in like right afterwards like <laughs> ready to go and then like oh but well, it's already already taken care of bob <laughs> then uh the warren that's when the warrens come home and then like, they go out and explain it to them or whatever um uh, so then you fast forward at some point you know i guess a day or two later a week later whatever it is and judy's having a her birthday party and, and nobody's there and she's kind of down in the dumps and then all of a sudden uh mary ellen and daniella and bob show up and then, like, uh, all the all, all of her friends from school all show up. So it's this big happy moment. Like, hey, everybody's come for Judy's birthday party. And uh, then Lorraine goes into the, or Daniela is in the artifact room again. Lorraine comes in and talks to her about, like, the fact that she talked to her dad or something. And her dad told her that it wasn't her fault, you know, not to not to live your life in guilt or whatever. And uh, this then right after, you know, they kind of hug. And then you see a real picture of the Warrens. You know, when Judy was, you know, seven, eight years old and you see them. And then that's on the bottom, on the bottom of the screen, it says in memory of Lorraine Warren, 1927 to 2019. Then you get the end credits, you know, which is kind of a, the first minute or two of the credits are pretty cool. <laughs> Once again, with the cool credits, right? <laughs> but, um, <laughs> yeah, so there you go. That is uh, Annabelle Comes Home from 2019. Because there wasn't, I watched to the very end, there wasn't anything else after that. So that, that was pretty much it. So... So well, the, the whole thing with Danielle at the end, uh, man, you've been stuck in there with a, a bunch of uh, possessed artifacts that's been torturing the hell out of you. Ain't no way on God's green <laughs> earth I'm stepping foot A in that house, B in that room. Yeah. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> I believe it all now. Everything. <laughs> I, I'm Hey, I'm girl, done. Uh, you, you want to have a birthday party? We can go to Chuck E. Cheese. Yeah. <laughs> They got they got something the equivalent of Chuck E. Cheese around here in 1960, whatever, right? Yeah, we're gonna go do that. So yeah, there you go. So, uh, all right, Will, what, what's your star rating on it? Uh, I'm gonna go two and a half. Eh, good, not great. You know, like it's kind of to me, you know, kind of following the formula at this point. I would definitely recommend seeing it. You know, especially if you've seen the rest of these movies. But you know, you, you've kind of gotten to the point where you kind of know what you're gonna get. Smoke, what do you say? Uh, yeah, I think. I mean, I pretty much agree. With Will, as I, and although I do think it's of the Annabelle movies, I probably like it. I like Creation better than I like this one. And what was the other? What's the not the first Annabelle movie? What's the other besides Creation? This one. What was the other one? Hey, I'm blanking on the name of the. No, other. that was it. Like as far as Annabelle. Oh, okay, there's three. Yeah, there, this was basically the so, third one. Yeah, I mean, I, I would give it maybe uh, three stars, and I, I would place it within the at least, like I said, within the Annabelle movies as second behind Creation, and then. The first animal movie being the third one, or my third favorite, least favorite. I don't know. 
<laughs> Whatever the phrasing. But it, it, again, it's not the definitely not the worst of the Conjuring universe, and uh, certainly not the best. So it kind of falls in that mid ground for me. I'll go back. But I do like. I'll, I'll go back just as as a fair comparison here for both you guys. Um, if you want to adjust your, you know, just before before we continue, and if you want to adjust it, I'll give you a second to adjust if you want, just out of comparison's sake. Uh, Will, the first Annabelle mo- movie, you gave it three and three-quarter stars. And then Annabelle Creation, you gave it four stars. So is that a- about what you're thinking, like, for this? I mean, does that adjust anything? or you Yeah, stay no, with I mean, I, th- I think I'll stay with that. I mean, because, I mean, to be honest, uh, the, the first Annabelle movie was the first Conjuring Universe movie we had done. Yeah. So while y'all started with The Conjuring, that was, that was my first one. So, you know, I was... Pleasantly surprised, you were, I guess. You were by a, that a conjuring virgin at that point, so. <laughs> 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 okay, now smoke, same deal. Uh, we go back to the original Annabelle movie. You gave it two and a half stars, and then Annabelle Creation, you gave it three stars. So that that pretty much jives with what you just said. You gave this three yeah. stars. Yeah, I mean, I, I I do like Creation a little bit more. I mean, I could I gave Creation three stars. I guess I could get whenever we do. Well, I'll wait till we do our I guess our our annual sort of. Okay, rescoring yeah, the end, kind of become our tradition or whatever. But I probably will bump it up just a little bit because I do like creation a little bit better than I like uh, coming home. But I mean, not not too much more. But I, it, I probably will bump it a little bit when we do that. All right, for myself, uh, the original Annabelle, I gave it three stars. Annabelle Creation, I gave that three and a half stars. So that pretty much jives with what I was going to say. Um, I, I'm going to give this two and a half, just like, uh, just like Will did. It's fun. It's enjoyable. I just didn't like it as much as, uh, definitely not as much as Annabelle creation and not quite as much as the first Annabelle, you know, if you're just fairly comparing on a level playing field, so to speak between these movies. But that being said, I mean, I think it's a fun, a fun little movie. It just, like I said before, it just seems to be setting up other stuff more than it is like trying to tell a story here at the end of this what the hell is this movie about it's about the stuff in that room i mean like we already know we already know the story of annabelle we, we, that that's been worn thin at this point this is the third one all right we know what annabelle is let's let's move it along here but i guess it's so popular in and of itself they just want to keep you know doing the annabelle stuff but really this movie's about the shit that's in that room and setting up in my opinion and setting up other movies because Otherwise, what what, are you, what story are you telling? You know, there's not much there. That being said, it is fun to watch. It's not one I'm going to plug in and watch all the time, but I enjoyed it. It is what it is, you know. So I think for me, two and a half is a fair, a fair assessment of the situation. And like we said earlier, since Donnie wasn't here, we'll get his score and his thoughts on the movie when we uh, on the next episode, episode 59. So with that being said, um, I, and we'll also leave the Spook Show connections to him since he's the one that has all that laid out. And has done all the legwork for that stuff, so we'll leave that with him on the next episode. So that leads us to you, Professor. Uh, well, no, I'm sorry. Will, we'll toss to you first. What's the uh, kill count on this movie? All right, well, let's see. Seven carry the three yeah. minus five, zero. Yeah, what? <laughs> you, have a, you have a weird way of uh, mathematical algorithms. <laughs> yeah, I don't think you see anyone, anyone at all, right? <laughs> no, I mean, there, there's that wreck like before... You know, yeah, but that's another at the thing. beginning what of the movie, but you don't even see it. That's the other thing, too. What the fuck was that? What was that? Was that a wreck? Was that a woman 
Because there's a woman standing out there like in a white gown or something, right? What was that? What did we witness there? Was that supposed to be the woman that was in the car with Lorraine? Yeah, yeah. Whenever it's in the... Right? Yeah, when, and she's like bloody or something on the side of her head or something, right? But like, what yeah. was that? Was that a wreck? Was that a woman just out there committing suicide? What the hell did we witness there? That was a police situation. Yeah. <laughs> I just thought that the whole thing was weird. Like, you would think at least if it's going to be a wreck... Let's see, like, a couple of cars mangled up and, like, a, a body hanging out of the side of it or something. Like, you, you don't see anything, and then the one shot you do see is just, like, some girl or woman standing there, like, with some blood on her or something, or whatever the hell she was doing. She's just standing there, and the cops are kind of around her there, right? I don't think you saw anything. I mean, maybe I need to go back and look at it a little closer again, but I don't think you see anything at all, and it, it didn't explain anything. I just thought it was weird. It's like, I guess it doesn't matter in the grand scheme, but... Just kind of a random thing to to throw in there. Maybe it was just as a device to show that, uh, oh yeah, if you haven't seen these other movies, remember Lorraine is clairvoyant and she can see dead people. Now here we go. You know, <laughs> maybe that's what it was. I don't know, but but anyway, kill count. You said nothing. So and there was nothing Zero. else. Yeah, yeah. So that being said, smoke that leads to your gore score. So what do you say for this one? Well, in keeping with the kill count, it's a big fat zero. I thought mean. <laughs> 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 there was no gore to speak of. And- and like I said before, we before you know when Will mentioned about the rating and everything, one of the things I was going to mention here was that I, I, they must have paid off the MPAA to get the R rating, but I did I missed that one fuck given. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but even that though, is that enough to get an R? Because isn't it isn't that the 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 gag you in a PG thirteen in a PG thirteen movie you can get away with one fuck right? Also, I, I thought so, but I mean, unless it, unless it was the the you know. Terror and fear, whatever the rating, but I thought that I didn't think that was enough to get an R rating when it, unless it's something like uh, I don't, I don't know. I mean, well, it is. De- I guess it is demons. Fear, fear and terror would be enough to have an R rating unless it was violence to go with it, and you know, and or nudity slash cussing and everything else. I guess it is demons chasing around like young girls in a house. So I guess that's enough. I guess you know. <laughs> that coupled with the one fuck, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> pushed it over. What what do you oh, see about this? And I don't know if y'all know anything about the, the when you see an R like we watch it on the Blu-ray and it, before the movie comes on, you know how they'll have the rating on the screen, yeah, and they'll have a color background. It was the R with a blue background, but I, I thought R always had a red background. I don't know. Huh? Maybe that's the uh, the R with a blue background. Is that like a light R? <laughs> yeah, I was about to say maybe that's the uh, well, it's it's an R, but it's just barely, so you get blue. <laughs> 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 I, I don't know. I don't know. But uh, and we never really discussed that on that old episode we did about ratings history and all that either. So I'm not sure about the the color codes. I just always I mean, know about might, the red it band. Might be you know. a lot of R with a blue. I don't know. I just didn't really. Yeah, like when I think R, I think the red band. But maybe that's yeah. just when it comes to trailers. <laughs> that's usually like hard R. You know, like red yeah. band stuff. Or, or you know, there's going to be profanity in the trailer, red band, that kind of thing. You know. But, yeah. So, basically, we come to the conclusion there's not really much gore. I mean, like, what what else is there just other than, like, you see the, a couple dead people, the ghost, right? And the girl yeah. that gets in the back seat, she's got some blood on her. The only other thing that comes to mind right away would be, you know, the ferryman with all those dead bodies in the coffins. And then, uh... The stabbing scene. Yeah, the stab. Didn't yeah. really happen. Yeah, yeah. And then the uh, dad with the uh, missing yeah, eye. Yeah, with, with the eye socket thing. So, I guess, yeah. I guess, give it a... A one. We'll go with a one then, because there was a little bit there, but yeah, still not enough. I don't think enough of violence to have given it an R rating. We're we're getting into that puke scene. I mean, really, <laughs> if you if really if you think about it, just something we watched recently to compare to this April Fool's Day. 
right? Like, yeah, oh, yeah, like all that shit you saw in the movie was probably more gory, but nothing happened, right? So like, it's almost like that again, like <laughs> that old. Yeah, you know, you know, it seems like we got, we got to get a movie to really run it up there, something like Cannibal Ferox or something. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> got all set these zeros and ones with something. Well, you you unwittingly just uh, gave me a great segue into what we're going to be watching next. Uh, speaking of horror at its heights, we're, we're going to be watching Jesse James meets Frankenstein's daughter from 1966. <laughs> Let's see if that movie puts this to shame as far as the gore score is concerned. <laughs> I've never seen it, only seen the trailer, and that's enough for me. So it wouldn't surprise me if there's a little bit more, you know, somebody probably dies in that movie, right? <laughs> Without watching it, I, I bet you we got at least one dead body in it, and that's more than we got in... Uh, April Fool's Day or in uh, Annabelle Comes Home. So we'll find out when we see that next. But the IMDb synopsis for Jesse James Meets Frankenstein's Daughter is the Old West. It was back when times were tough. The land was harsh. Vigilantes were unforgiving and outlaws were apparently pretty nice guys. Uh, so this ought to be interesting. This this is a path that we've, we have never taken before, you know, as far as like westerns or anything like that. And also... This is uh, the oldest movie that we've ever talked about to date. I think when we looked at it, the oldest movie that we've talked about so far was Black Christmas, the original from 1974. So we're going a little bit further back in the old time machine to 1966 for this one. So this should be interesting, to say the least. And uh, last I checked, like uh, you, you can go watch this movie on YouTube. Maybe we'll send out the link. Um, but there's probably other various ways to watch it. So uh, it shouldn't be too awfully hard to track down a copy of it somewhere, but I'm pretty sure it's still up on YouTube. So I guess that's it for this episode. You guys got anything else to add about uh, Annabelle Comes Home or looking forward to Jesse James meets Frankenstein's daughter or anything? Definitely looking forward to Jesse James meets Frankenstein's daughter. And at some point we'll maybe have to do the double bill movie that it was on. I think it was Billy the Kid versus Dracula. (laughs) (laughs) Not back to back. That'd be just too much, I think. Something about the that time period of the 60s where they wanted to mash up Western movies and, and sci-fi and horror. <laughs> yeah, there's not too many. Yeah, that's, that's, that's something else we want to dig into. I, I've never really looked to see how many Western horror movies there are, but I'm pretty sure there's only not too, too many. You know? Yeah, probably not many. One called, uh, I forget, Ghost Town in the 80s, the late 80s, I think. That's the only one that really comes to mind besides these two. At the moment, I know there's more. But yeah. Not too many more. One thing about uh, this show, but this movie that we were talking about was that I noticed in the store, the the scene where Balls is working right in the store. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, when they walk into the scene, right in the front is a little comic book magazine, oh, yeah. magazine rack, whatever. It's yeah. like a slump thing, issue number one sitting there. Oh yeah, I noticed well, that. You think about? You noticed that too? Oh, I noticed that whole rack. I'm like, oh, Jesus. There's like that whole rack, yeah. Hundreds. There's a detective comic there too and a couple other things. I can't remember the other two right now or the other ones. But I do know that the first issue of Swamp Thing was 72. Yeah. So I don't know if that necessarily – I don't know if that really jives with the other movies. I think didn't we have some that were set? Well, I'm sure because I'm sure because this is Warner Brothers and Warner owns DC Comics, I'm sure they were just like, well, get some uh, – time period, you know, uh, random comics to put out here, you know, so, you know, recognizable, but we're not really going to go into the the depths of the date and everything, maybe, you know, if, if it's off. But, yeah, I'm sitting there looking at it like, holy shit, there's like hundreds, if not thousands of dollars worth of comic books sitting on that sh- on that rack right there. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, oh, yeah. 
But anyways, yeah, so Jesse James meets Frankenstein's daughter. That's coming up next. And like we teased, you know, to kind of to kind of get the steam going for that, episode 60 after that will be The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It. That's going to be kind of a quick turnaround for us because it's going to come out literally like three days before the episode drops. So go ahead and watch Jesse James meets Frankenstein's daughter and then get ready for uh, the next Conjuring movie on episode 60. So that'll be kind of a, a big build for us. So I guess for, uh, for Donnie and for Will and the Professor Smoke, I'm Josh. We are the All-American Spook Show Podcast, and we will see you next time for Jesse James Meets Frankenstein's Daughter.